might want to bring you up to speed of where we're at and uh, welcome you to our Wednesday night study. We've been going through a series just called Marks of a Disciple. It's a pretty broad canopy. And we've been allowing actually what God has been saying and speaking to us on Sunday morning and kind of taking it to a deeper level here on Wednesday night. And so tonight we're going to talk about this, this issue of working the word or activating the word through uh, this thing of confession and declaration. In other words, our words contain and carry power. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, we communicate with words. We give instructions. with. We raise our children with words. We, we deal. We communicate. Everything we do has to do with words. We sing with words. Yeah, sure, we have instruments and whatnot. But we sing. We communicate. We pray with words. We do almost everything we do with words. What happens in the earth today happens typically not apart from words. So we know that words are powerful. Now, when I was, and I'm so thankful for my heritage, but when I was in a, in a traditional denominational setting, uh, very thankful, grateful. They taught me to love the word of God, but they didn't so much teach me how to actually take the word of God, pray the word of God, speak the word of God, confess the word of God and declare the word of God. And I had to kind of go outside of my typical bounds uh, to discover that there was a great big world out there and there were some things that I did not get taught. I don't blame anybody for that. It's just that was that tradition. And so uh, having learned this, it has become uh, one of the most important elements of my walk with God is to speak the word, confess the word, declare the word, because it was through words that God actually created the world. We're going to look at some things along that line. But words are important. Now, we have the word. We call it the halogos, which is the written word, or the rhema, which is that God-breathed word, the God word, the word that's been breathed, inspired by him and by his spirit. And so the rhema word is that living word that works. Say the word works, but you have to work the word. So what we're doing, we're spending time, and if, you're, if you haven't been with us, this, you may, you're kind of catching a moving train. So I, wanna, I can't go back and, and relay foundations for this or set up context for you. So we do have podcasts available, and you can go on our website, thegracepoint.com, and catch up on that. So we're just going to dive in. We good with that? We'll treat you like family, and we'll hit the ground running. Go to the book of Mark, chapter 11. Mark, chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, we'll start in verse 11. It'll be on the screen, but I'm going to be reading out of the New King James and whatever translation you have, go ahead and follow along in your translation. Like I said, it sometimes can help bring clarity. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the word and uh, let's give honor where honor is due. Can I get an amen? amen? Mark chapter 11, verse 11 says this, And Jesus went into Jerusalem, and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Someone say, he found nothing. <laughs> That's really critical here. He found nothing but leaves. But it was not... For it was not the season for figs. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. In verse 14, in response, Jesus said to it, 
Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them and then he taught saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now we're going to pick back up the issue with the, the fig tree. Verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Someone say, from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Some translations will actually say, have the faith of God. Very critical there. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain... Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Someone say, forgive him. That your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, someone say, but. That's a big butt, and I cannot lie right there. Amen. But if yeah, some of you will get that. But if you did not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Someone say, "Uh oh, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can be seated. The word works, but you have to work the word. So we're spending some time really focusing on learning how to take God's word, this amazing thing. It's actually considered a weapon in the book of Ephesians where it's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we know that it is a weapon, an implement to be used in a very offensive nature in the sense where it's an offensive, not defensive weapon. And so we have been given this sword of the spirit whereby we can use it. In warfare, can I get an amen? All right, now we started this series on Sunday, it's called, a couple Sundays ago called Reframe. And the whole idea of reframe means reorienting. To reframe is to reorient. In other words, it's to change the way you see something. For example, you get up one day and you got a bad attitude and you're spewing negative stuff and you slice and dice seven people before your feet even hit the floor. You've got to reframe your thinking, amen? As you reframe your thinking, you reframe your speaking. You reframe the way you see, the way you speak, the way you process, the things that come out of you. And it will eventually reframe your entire world because it will reorient the way you engage your world. Engage is one of our, our core values where we talk about engaging. But you can't engage unless you're reframed. Does that make sense? So we're talking about learning how to reframe every situation that comes our way because there's stuff coming at you every day. Amen? Come on. Junk happens. Life happens. Shift happens. I have to be careful saying that. 
It happens, and so you've got to reframe the way you receive, perceive, and then engage and deal with things. So this whole series is about reframing your heart, reframing your mind, and reframing your mouth. And so we're dealing tonight with how to work the Word, how to activate this thing. This is a how-to message. You remember the the books that came out? You see them at at the bookstores. Um, Windows for Dummies. Mac for Dummies. We bought a book called Adoption for Dummies when we adopted Rachel nine years ago. And, and, uh, and I love those books because they're just simple, how-to, straightforward, just the plain, simple truth about a particular subject. And I love the way they break it down. Tonight is Faith for Dummies. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I like it simple. I like it straightforward. I like every once in a while somebody to not just give me, I don't need to know how the clock works. I just need to know what time it is. Can I get an amen? amen. So, and, and y'all know me. I love theology. I love academics. I love going into all the history and context. But tonight you're not going to get that. You're going to get the straight word because some of you need help right now. And you need to know how to activate the word of God so that it works in your life. Because some of you got some stuff some of you got some mountains that need to be moved. Amen. And you need to know how to do it. You ready to learn? All right. Give me 20 minutes and you're going to walk out of here ready to tear some stuff up. Amen. Come on. Say amen. I got to have some faith in here. I can't. I'll only preach to the level of your faith and expectation tonight. So if you're bored, lethargic, apathetic, then that's how I'm going to preach. Okay, here we go. All right. That's all I needed was one. Last week, we talked about the battle of the mouth. And we got to continue this. This is kind of an ongoing thing. We talked about this. Your mouth is a barometer of your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. So I know what's in your heart because of what's coming out of your mouth. If it's negative, critical, judgmental, then I know what's in your heart. If it's positive, life-giving, encouraging, inspiring, I know what's in your heart. So the heart is a barometer, or the mouth is a barometer for the heart, right? Number two, we said the words you speak can create or destroy. We talked about Proverbs 18 to 1. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that, that love it will eat its fruit. And the Amplified says, either good or bad. So no matter whether it's negative or positive, you're going to eat the fruit of what's coming out of your mouth. Your mouth is producing something, and it either creates or destroys. The third thing we said was, your words can become a snare that entraps you. It says that a fool is actually trapped by his own words. Number four, said, we said this, you must be intentional. Someone say intentional. Someone say with purpose. Someone say on purpose. You must be intentional, purposeful in using your words to bring about life results. Here's the deal. I don't want to just do life as a Christian because it makes me a nicer person. I want to be a Christ follower so that God can use me to shape things, to make a difference, to impact culture. Can I get an amen? We're here to be culture changers. We're here to be change agents in the world. Can I get an amen? But most believers are not even walking at any semblance of a level of victory whereby they even have the confidence to think they can change the world. Is that not the truth? Most Christians I know are getting their heinies kicked. I'm being nice. Getting their tails kicked by the devil. And they're living in a very defensive posture. And they're under so much condemnation and shame and guilt that they feel like they can't actually get in an offensive position. They're living in a defensive posture. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
It's time that you get this idea in your mind that God has called you to live an abundant life. Do you believe that? Now, I say abundant, I'm not talking about the car you're driving. I'm talking about something inside of you that flows out of you, that people get to meet you on the street and get to know you, and there's a something about you that's different. Something about Him in you makes you different. That abundant life, the word abundant means to superabundant, or it means to overflow, literally. And Christ said this, He said, I've come that you might have life, and have it what? To the full. Abundant. Overflowing. How many want to tap into some of that overflowing life? Well, we're going to have to do some things. We can't just sit back, pray, and wait. Because there's so much in the Scripture about initiating. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Come close, you who are far off. I mean, the Scripture challenges us to draw near, come close, approach. Come what? Boldly before the throne of grace. You may receive mercy and help in your time of need. So we're called to come approach, but a lot of times we're sitting back, waiting. We're sitting back, I love the way Tim's story says it, we sit back in our setback. And we're just waiting, we're waiting for something, we're waiting for a champion. We're waiting for a rescuer. I talked to somebody this week, a pastor who, who's gone through some devastating things, has been in depression and in a terrible place, and he said that he finally came to the revelation, I mean, God literally healed him. He came to the revelation And to the place where he understood that he kept looking for a champion. I need a champion. I need a champion. I need a champion. And all the while, God was trying to tell him, you're a champion. You're a champion. You've got the victory. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You've got it. You've got it. But he was looking for somebody to rescue him. And it went back to his childhood. And there's a whole story behind that. We're going to deal with that in the fall. We talk about uh, Don't Look Back, that series. We're going to deal with the ties that bind. But he had the revelation that he was kept looking for a champion, waiting, waiting, waiting. And God kept saying, it's you, it's you, it's you. I've equipped you to fight the good fight of faith. Can I get an amen? Say, we have the victory. Now, say it like you meant it. We have the victory. Now, say it this way. I have the victory. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am Blessed coming in and blessed going out. I am blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Now, all that is is Deuteronomy 28. Does that not do something on the inside of you? If it doesn't, please check your pulse or have your neighbor check your pulse. You may be dead. All right, here we go. All right. So you got to be intentional. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're going to talk about speaking to your mountains because some of you got some stuff that needs to move now. Stat right now. Not down the road, not another... I need movement now. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, here's the deal. God has equipped us and given us the sword of the Spirit whereby we can speak to some things and watch them move. Now, you ready to learn how to do that? All right. Speaking of your mountains, number one, you should take notes. If you're not, this will be on a podcast. Are we getting this recorded? Is that happening? All right. I want to make sure, because I want to make sure this gets out because we've got to get a hold of this. Speak to God. Number one, you're jotting these things. Speak to God about the mountain. Then speak to the mountain. So I'm going to make a couple statements. Speak to God about the mountain. God, i got this thing in front of me. Lord, I see this. Lord, do you see this? Do you see what I'm facing, Father? So speak to the Lord about the mountain. But then you need to get in an offensive posture and speak to the mountain. Always come to God in two, in two different mentalities. One, I come to God as a son and I come in the spirit of appeal. 
appeal. I come before him and say, Father, as your son, Lord, thank you that you love me. Thank you that your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough. Thank you that, that God, Jesus died for me, the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me your name, that name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, would you, whatever your mountain is, Lord, would you move this mountain? Would you deal with this mountain? I come in the spirit of appeal. Then I shift gears in my prayer. I say, Father, I came to you as a son. Now I'm coming to you as a soldier. Do you not understand you're part of the army of God? You're part of the family of God, but some of you don't realize you're part of the army as well. Come on, somebody. There comes a point where you have to fight the good fight of faith. Comes a point where you are the one who can't shrink back to perdition, as Hebrews chapter 10 talks about, to where you are the one that now has to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. Peter had to get out of the boat to walk on water to Jesus. Everybody else was in the boat. Where was Peter? He was out there in the miracle zone because he stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus. He initiated movement. And he went from being a son to a soldier in that moment. And all of us have to come to God. God, come to him as a son. But I also come, and I even, in my prayer, I, here's how I do it. Father, I thank you, thank you, Lord. Would you move that mountain? Would you take care of that? And Father, would you strengthen me? Would you encourage me? Father, would you give me, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? The parakletos, the one called alongside to help. Now, see, after I pray that prayer, I know, oh, wait, I've got the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. He's with me. Counselor, comforter, helper. Now that I have that, now I move into the place of a soldier. Now what do I do? I put on the full armor of God. Put on the helmet. Come on now. Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. Feet, you know, belt of truth. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Taking up the sword of the spirit and taking up the shield of faith. Come on now. Boy, by the time you're all suited up, you're ready to fight somebody. You're a soldier at that point. Now I move into what we're going to talk about tonight. And that is a place of confession and declaration. Some of you do not have because you have not declared. And you've not moved into this posture. Amen. Second thing, speak the desired end results. In other words... Say what you see. What can you see beyond your situation? Can you see yourself healed? Can you see yourself free? Can you see yourself not depressed? Can you see yourself not addicted? Can you see yourself walking in victory? Can you see yourself in a good mood on purpose? Because if you can't see it, how are you going to say it if you can't say it, you're certainly not going to get there. So you've got to begin to dream bigger than your current situation. Can I get an amen? What is the circumstance that you're in right now? You've got to think bigger than that. You've got to think outside of that. You've got to dare to dream. When those came back to Jerusalem, they said, we were like those who dreamed. We were like, you've got you've to be like those who dream. You've got to say, this is where I'm at, but this is not where I'm staying. This is where you get a soldier mentality. This is where you move beyond just that passive. Because we do know this. Jesus was a lamb, was he not? But he was also a lion. And when he whooped up, this is Texan. When he whooped up, <laughs> when he whooped their hineys, when he whooped up on these guys in the... He was not the lamb in that moment. Can I get an amen? He was the lion of Judah who was taking care of business. He was taking care of what needed to be done in that moment. And at that moment, he was a warrior, a soldier. 
And we've got to get into that posture and go, I've got to see beyond my current circumstance. See, we've got to understand that God's called us to be champions. God's called us to be winners. And when you begin to see yourself that way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you've got to begin to think, okay, all right, here's what I feel like. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Here's what I think. Here's what I choose to believe. Oh, one of the greatest God gifts God has ever given any of us is the ability to choose what we're going to think. Well, the devil told me this. The devil made me. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa. The devil can't make you do anything, nor can he make you think anything. You're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter of the most high God. You're his beloved. You really think the devil has that much power in your life? The only power the enemy has is a lie. The Bible says he's a liar, father, the accuser of the brethren. He's like a prosecutor. And his power is in his own mouth. It's in his ability to lie and to deceive. And when you realize that's a smokescreen, it's not the truth. And that whatever fact you're in right now is subject to change. You have to see beyond your circumstance. What? Where are you at right now? Be honest. Some of you are in some stuff right now. Some of you are some of you are in some private stuff that nobody knows about. You've got to be able to see yourself beyond that. That's what this principle is talking about. When we speak the desired end result, say what you see. Father, in the name of Jesus, I see myself healed. I see myself free. I see myself victorious. I never forget having one of my sem- uh, not seminary, one of my college professors. I was in a in a theology program, and man, I loved school. I, in fact, I was telling somebody how I'm envious. You guys getting to go back to school is a blast. Loved it, but I'll never forget one of my professors saying, "What's all this talk about victory?" He said, "Victory's a misnomer," and he started just shattering this foundation of victory in Christians' lives. I was like, "Now, the fruit of his life was destruction. I mean, his private life. It was a wreck." Train wreck. His kids were a wreck. It was a small college. We, everybody knew each other, and 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 it was it was pitiful. And I remember thinking, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Because <laughs> I was raised an athlete, and, and my mentality was, "No, you win. <laughs> you see yourself winning." If I'd ever been on the bus and started talking about how some of us talk about our circumstances, can you imagine being on a football team senior year, driving down the road, going to go play your opponent, and going, "Man, we're gonna get killed, coach." Coach, we, we're so small compared to those guys. We're not as fast as they are. Man, they got more money. They got the big program. They're a bigger school. Coach, what do you think a coach would have done? Can I be... Can we... Can, we have words for what he would have done. I can't say it in here. It would be inappropriate. But let me just tell you, you, you would... I'm trying to say this nice. It would not be pretty. I, okay, I'm being nice. I remember one time there was some negative talk going on on the bus to a game, and this is what sparked this. And the coach said, All right, no talking on the bus till we get to the field house, two and a half hours away. Can you imagine an entire high school football team on two buses and not a word being spoken the whole trip? Why? Because somebody said something negative, and that coach understood the power of our words, and he shut it down. And here's the deal. That's in the natural. What about in the supernatural? We see that God values words, does he not? How did God create the heavens and the earth? God said, and it was. How did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Lazarus. 
Come hither. I don't know how he did it. That's King James. Come forth. Come out. Get up and walk. How did... I'm telling you, the power of words. I figure if an old crusty football coach understood the power of words so much that he would shut down 68 guys on two buses, how much more should we understand the power of words to affect our day, to affect our now, to affect our current situation? Some of you have are not getting your prayers answered because of what you're saying outside of your prayer time. Oh, you may be praying right, but everything else you're doing is absolutely canceling it. It's like cutting your own legs off. It's like shooting your nose off to spite your face. Still not even sure what that means. My mom used to say that. It sounded appropriate there. Somebody can educate me later. Number three, write this down. This is really where it gets critical. Confession and possession. Confession and possession. Are we not? Now, you look at at the the Hebrews who, who were told the land is yours. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. They were coming out of the Exodus. They came up to the river and they were told, that's your land. But do you understand that when they crossed over the river, when they crossed the river, they still had to possess the land that was promised to them. Do you understand that? There's a broad principle there. Their healing is yours, but you have to possess it. Victory is yours, but you have to possess it. There's just nothing passive about the Christian life. Oh yeah, seventh day we rest, and you should be taking a Sabbath. If you're not, you're sinning, okay? So there is a time to rest, but that rest is a restorative rest so that you can run the other six days of the week. So there's a time to rest. But I'm not talking about when Wake crossed over the Jordan River, they then had to possess that which was promised. The promises are ours, but we have to possess the promises. Does that make sense? I know it makes sense because I'm watching your lives, and I know you've got some promises that some of you aren't possessing. So let's learn how to do that. You ready? Speak the end result. Confession and possession. Here it is. Speak to the natural world. That is how God created it. God created this world with words. We now have to speak to this world. Now, I'm about to tell you something nuts and crazy, but I don't care. I mean, I care. I love you. But I don't care what you think about it. Whenever we have a storm that comes our way. Hey, this is West Texas, folks. We get some storms. Amen. We get some twisters. We get some tornadoes. We get some F2s, 3s, 4s. And Lord, hope never a five around here, but we get some stuff that comes our way. I don't know what y'all do. I don't know if you just sit there and watch the TV and hope nothing happens. You know what I do? My wife says, honey, it's time for you to get out and speak to the storm. Now, this may sound crazy, and I look around before I do it, so I don't want to freak my neighbors out. But I will go outside, and I will speak to the storm. Yeah, some of you think I'm nuts. That's all right. Our house has never sustained damage. I'm not, I hope I didn't drive it over to yours, but I'm just telling you, it's not coming to mind in the name of Jesus. I know that sounds crazy, but here's the deal. Do we believe this or not? Oh, pastor, that's just too radical. Is it though? If Jesus would walk up to a dead guy and say, come on out. We don't think Jesus is radical. We think he's cool. Wow. Ooh, go Jesus. Then one of us tries something that Jesus did. And didn't he say greater works than these will you do? Then all of a sudden we're freaks. We're spooky. We're weird. 
So if you ever see me, if it's ever storming, come on over. My house is going to be safe. Yours might get destroyed. I don't know. Mine's going to be safe. Amen. Speak to the natural world. That's how God, Genesis chapter 1, God said, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do it? With his words. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. Hebrews 11.1, 1, just throw that one up there. Now faith is the substance. Someone say substance. You know what substance is? It's that which is tangible. That which is matter. That which you can touch, see, feel. Faith is substance of the things that hope. The word hope there is expect. Not wish, expect. What do you expect? I told the worship team, I said, get ready because I've been, I've been praying for revival. So just get yourself ready. And I didn't say it like, well, I hope it comes. No, I'm a revival looking for a place to happen right now. Let me tell you what's going to happen in this church. We're going to blow the freaking doors off this church. This thing is going to be overflowing. Wednesday night's going to be full. I'm saying it. I'm speaking it. Why? Because it's our time. Eight years of sowing seed, it's time for harvest. But I need you to expect with me. I need you to believe with me. What are we doing? We're speaking to the natural. I drove in the city today and I said, I said, I stay to the north. I say to the south. I say to the east. I say to the west. Give them up in the name of Jesus. Call them in in the name of Jesus. Is that too radical for you? If you want to go follow some passive leader, there's a plenty of them to do it. But this one will not be. And I will not be silent. 48 years of age, I've got something to say. So either stay here and enjoy it and get it and then get in here and make a hand. Let's make this thing happen or don't. But I've got something to say. You ready? All right. So you got to speak to the natural world because that's how God created it. And then B, we'll end with this because I said I was going to quit on time. The last one, confess Confess this, I am to bring spiritual reality. We have to realize that I am the son of God, not the son as in Jesus. I am a son of God. I'm a king's kid. What am I doing? I'm saying I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I'm a victor in Christ. I'm free in Christ. I'm confident in Christ. I'm secure in Christ. I've been made holy, blameless and above reproach. According to Colossians chapter one, verse 22 in Christ. I am. What are you doing? You're bringing that which is which is not tangible reality into reality. Why? Because our words contain what power. So confess it, say it in Christ. I am. I am whatever the word says I am. I love that. I mean, it's not even about Joel Osteen. It was his daddy who came up with that. He said, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Let me tell you, I love that declaration. I absolutely love that declaration. And I allowed my thoughts about Joel and that church and all that to affect that confession. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't care who said it. It's good. And I'm going to say it because I am what this word says I am. I am not who you say I am at lunch on Sundays. I am who this word says I am. I'm not who three rows over at Beltway who used to go here and don't anymore. I'm not that person. I am who this word says I am. This is who I am. I'm who God says I am. Let me tell you something. That'll put some boldness in you. That'll that'll put a little... little, um, That'll put a little little um, 
hitch and your giddy up. I am whatever the word says I am. Amen. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Say that with me. I am the righteousness of God. You know, and some of this out of context actually sounds very arrogant. It does. I mean, even the boldness I'm using right now sounds arrogant. But let me tell you, it's not arrogant at all. All it is, it's understanding who you are, lining your words up with these words, and then moving into the place of agreement. Say agreement. So all we're doing is agreeing with God's word. I am who this word says I am. I am who God. Let me tell you something. You are who God says you are. Here's what's interesting. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That means we need to deal with the mind. Amen. We need to deal with the battlefield of the mind. And then we need to deal with the battlefield of the mouth and begin to say what God says. As we do that, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But also the principle faith comes by hearing and hearing. What are you hearing? Whatever I'm hearing is what I will eventually internalize. Because you leak out what you're full of. So what am I hearing? What am I meditating on? I'm going to meditate on what God says about me. So if I say this every day that I'm the head and not the tail, guess what happens over time? I start to act like the head and not the tail. I start to behave. I start to think like I'm above only and not beneath. Again, not arrogance. Because you can slip right over into pride and you'll cancel. You'll just destroy everything you've, you've been working toward. But let me tell you, when you stay humble and stay broken before God, you understand you're only who you are because of the grace of God in your life. And you can do nothing apart from Jesus. John 15. Amen? Amen. So confess, I am to bring spiritual rally. And then confess, I can to bring ability. Okay. I, are you all okay with five minutes? This is important because some of you need to do this now. Okay? So you confess, I am, I am. In Christ, I am an overcomer. In Christ, I am His Son. In Christ, I am. In Christ, I am. Now, we're going to confess, I can. Why? Because the Word says, I can. See, I am who this Word says I am, and I can do what this Word says I can do. You can do what this Word says you can do. Students, you can do exactly what this Word says you can do. You can do exactly what this Word says you can do. And it says you're an overcomer. It says you can take the enemy down, the accuser of the brethren, taking them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It says you can take the sword of the Spirit. It says you can take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. You can do. You can. Say, I can. Do what this Word says I can do. I know that sounds really bold, does it not? But how many know some of you need some boldness because you're not walking in victory? And I'm saying all this because I'm not mad at you. I'm really mad at the devil. And some of you need to get mad too. Do you know how many years some of us have been ripped off? Because we didn't know this. We haven't operated in this. And we have lived out of our thought life. Which says, I'm not worthy. I'm not important. My voice doesn't matter. Nobody really cares what I think. Nobody loves me. You know what all that is? That is demonic. That is the enemy feeding your mind. And when you get in agreement with the enemy, you have now 
come into covenant with him. Does this make sense? Say, I can. Joel 3.10, let the weak say, I am what? Strong. Ooh, okay. I'm weak now, but I'm going to declare that I'm strong. And over time, I'm going to become strong. See, I'll begin to see myself strong and I'll begin to be strong. Does that make sense? Some of you need to say, I'm strong. No matter what, I'm strong. Man, I don't feel strong, but I am strong. According to God's word, and I'm going to line my thoughts up. I'm going to get in agreement with his word because the word says I'm strong. I'm strong. I can do whatever the word says I can do. Let's all stand together. We're going to close.